the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, oh, that's a very good question. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the second hour of our three-hour tour. Um, This is going to be fun this hour, I think. Uh, Everybody remembers the Joseph Heller novel, uh, Catch-22, and uh, in it, it, it revolved around the idea that somebody wanted to prove they were crazy so they could get out of the Army on a Section 28 but if you wanted to get out of the, the catch-22 was that if you wanted to get out of the army, you couldn't be crazy. Well, the uh, my guest this hour is the uh, author of a new tech thriller called Catch-42, which uh, explores the potential uses for artificial intelligence, biotech, quantum computing, and robot uh, robotics. And his uh, name is Felix Holsapfel, I think I've said that close to right, but he joins me by phone to talk about his new tech thriller, Catch-42. Felix, welcome to the show. Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me. And you did very well with the pronunciation of my last name. It almost (laughs) sounds like a a native German speaker. Well, I, I don't know about that. I'm usually terrible with names, but thanks for teaching me how to say it, or at least come close uh, before we went on the air. You've been in uh, uh, IT systems since 1997. Why? I, I actually have two questions that, that are really haunting me, um, but why do a lot of futuristic uh tech stories and tech thrillers paint such a dystopian view of advancing technology and and the title of the book catch 42 was it inspired by 
by Catch-22, and and is is there a similar catch as the Joseph Heller story? Um, so I I start with the last question with the Catch-22 question. Yes, Joseph Heller's book was one of the books or one of the stories that inspired me to create the title for my book. And the reference to Joseph Heller's book is that. As you already explained, uh, that catch-22 means uh, a dilemma or a paradoxy, and that I believe that we live in a world that's full of catch-22s. When it comes to technology, for instance, many people are scared of things like um, artificial general intelligence, which means AI um, being able to solve any mental question that a human being can answer, or even doing better than a human being, or genetic optimized humans or robots that look and act like humans. And so on the one hand, people are scared of these sorts of, of these type of technologies. But on the other hand, we work hard to achieve these things and take it to the next level. But it's not only about technology. For me, many things are connected with each other. It's technology, but it's also some changes. Um, may or might have a big impact on our society, on our way of life, on our political landscape, and um, on our economy. And that, um, that so we, we get close to a very broad, broad range of, of uh, catch-22s. And um, that also, uh, I guess, uh, brings a very good connection to your initial question, why so many people with a tech background, but not only with a tech background, um, have such a dystopian view on the, on the future. Because things that are at our fingertips already have the, the potential to really turn our world upside down and our understanding of the world upside down. And what I experienced during my two decades working in the IT and marketing industry is that when I did keynotes at industry events and I talked about trends in the field of technology, Many people, even in my industry, looked at me and said, Felix, this sounds like sci-fi. I was like, no, unfortunately it's not. These are <laughs> things that are already happening today. So it's, it's technology that's already out there. It's not in the mass market, but you can already look at it in, in, uh, in laboratories. And just to, to give you a couple of examples what people are often not aware of, that we already reached the level where we can um, connect the human brain to artificial intelligence. It's still in its infancies, but um, there are technologies out there where you think what you want to say and a machine can recognize what you want to say and can say it for you. Vice versa, the machine can bring back the, what people answer directly into your nerve system and therefore in your brain. This is one example. Another example is that, um, funny guys, I had a, a conversation with a tech guy just, uh, just the other day, yesterday evening, about uh, um, quantum internet and quantum teleportation and quantum computing. So that we already reached the level that we can do quantum teleportation to create a quantum internet. What does this exactly mean? That there is a, um, a within the quantum world, there's something that's called quantum entanglement. That's what Einstein calls spooky action at a distance. 
It means that two particles are connected with each other, and if one particle changes its status, the other particle changes its status as well. It doesn't matter how far apart these particles are. They can be one particle at the one end of the universe and the other particle on the other end of the universe. And we are already capable to use this technology to transfer information. So we can transfer data without physically transmitting it. Um, the implication of that is that when you talk about quantum computing, then you talk about handling a huge amount of data way beyond what we are able to handle today. So if you compare it, scientists usually say that um, paths or complex calculations that take thousands of years with the fastest supercomputer that we have available today can be solved by a quantum computer within a couple of seconds. So this, this is the, the difference that we are talking about. Then we create a huge amount of data that we wouldn't be able to handle today. But then if you combine these technologies, quantum computing with quantum teleportation and the quantum internet, then the amount of data doesn't matter anymore in terms of speed, how to transmit it, if you don't need to physically transmit it. And so if you connect the dots about several emerging technologies, or to give you a last example, I uh, talked about IT stuff so far, but also in the field of genetic engineering, there are things happening that many people are not aware of. So there is a technology, I guess many people have heard about DNA. So, and but there is that double helix. Most people know the picture of these double helix, and some people even know that there are two base pairs on the DNA, and they have four letters. It's G, C, A, and T. And the scientists who worked on that project explained it very nice. Well, I guess he, uh, I, I think he explained it very nice. He said, you know what? If our alphabet um, has 26 letters, if our alphabet would only have four letters, we could tell only very basic stories. The alphabet of life currently only has four letters, G, C, A, and T. What happens? if we would add additional letters to the alphabet of life. And they were already able to add these additional letters. So we have already created post-evolutionary life that's just computer designed. It's nothing that, that the nature created. And if you combine or you connect the dots across these multiple disciplines, then yes, if we make some wrong choices, our future could become very dystopian. Felix, um Explain or tell me again what it's called when when two objects very very far apart uh, can somehow interact with each other. Mm -hmm. uh, what what it's was the quantum hmm? quantum entanglements? Quantum entanglements. I, I've heard people exactly. talk about this before. Is it is that a possible scientific explanation for? the the things that seem sort of supernatural um, between identical twins who live maybe on opposite coasts, but one cuts his finger and the other one feels some pain? Mm -hmm. Exactly. But to be honest, the, the quantum world is full of unknowns for us today. So we just don't know. But there's 
that could be an explanation for if you if the, the connection between twins or there are these stories where a mother knows when her child dies or has an accident or whatever without having the information or um, other phenomena. So um, yeah, quantum entanglement is something that's very exciting, but still pretty much unexplored and unconquered territory for us. But again, as we get better tools in terms of technology, then they will enable us to, to get more information about these phenomena and turn phenomena into something that we can understand. And the phenomena that you just mentioned is just one thing. Um, an application that will most likely be among the, the things that have the most impact on our lives will be the, if we have more computing power, the combination of artificial and human intelligence. What I just described in the three examples, but that was just a very basic um, explanation of the, of the technology that's already out there. But um, if you think a little bit deeper about that, that today there are many people who say that our, the way how we make our decisions as human beings, it's, it's no magic anymore. It's just a biochemical algorithm. So, and these biochemical algorithms are not too different from the algorithms we have in the field of information technology. But we just can't understand and decode or encode these biochemical algorithms. But that's mainly a question of computing power. And if we get that quantum computing power, then um, yeah, this issue might be solved very, very fast. And then you have the opportunity yeah, to connect human and artificial intelligence and turn our brains into something that's way beyond our imagination today. And is, is writing a book like this one, Catch-42, a tech thriller, a, a way to share information about new and emerging technologies and where they might go in, in a way that's accessible to people who maybe don't have a lot of expertise in the field. Exactly. That, that was the idea. That uh, In the past, I only wrote, uh, uh, yeah, wrote professional books about digital transformation, the shift in our media landscape, and about technology. <laughs> More academic type books. books. Exactly. And there are plenty of great books out there, like um, there are many books I really enjoy from Yuval Noah Harari, like Homo Deus or Sapiens or whatever. There are books in, like uh, um, Hacking Darwin from Jamie Metzl, from uh, Chris Bernard, Quantum Computing for Everyone. And so there are many professional books out there that usually explain one area very well, like um, quantum computing, or genetic engineering, or um, nanotechnology. Yuval Harari is very good in connecting the dots across these multiple disciplines, but still, the target audience for these books are usually a more academic target audience. Right. Felix, Felix was, I hate to uh, interrupt, but I have to take a break here. Can you no, stick around right. for a few minutes so okay. we can talk some more? Of course, looking forward to it. Great. My uh, guest is the author of the tech thriller Catch-42, Felix Holtz-Apfel. 
and uh, we'll be back right after this. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can. Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed. 
a magical place with magical charms indoors 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 take it away hi this is deb cherry genesee county treasurer and you're listening to the tom sumner radio show and welcome back, everybody. My guest this hour is the author of a new tech thriller called Catch-42 that uh, explores potential uses for artificial intelligence, biotech, quantum computing, and robotics within a suspense-filled story. And um, his name is Felix Holzapfel, and he uh, joins me by phone. Felix, thanks for sticking around, and uh, sorry to make you sit through all that. No, thanks for having me, and I'm looking forward to continue our conversation. Um, just before the break, we were talking a little bit about how a uh, uh, tech thriller like this can sort of get people, uh, a, a non-academic audience, if you will, thinking about the direction of some of the technology, much of which is already here, but yet there's a time travel element to your story. Um, is it important to, in, in order to create a, uh, a tech thriller in a, in a dystopian reality to jump to the future? Um, I think yes, but it, of course you could also describe developments today because as I already outlined earlier, there are already things happening today that are really mind-bending. Um, but I guess it's a better vehicle to give people um, the view into a midterm or long-term future to really show them what are the implications of the technologies that we work on today. And don't get me wrong, I'm a strong ambassador of technology. I think that we have great technologies at our fingertips that could really help us to solve some of the main challenges we work on yeah, for thousands of years already. But um, we're getting close to a point where it's about to make some fundamental decisions um, how we use these types of technologies. And if we make the right choices, great. But if we make the wrong choices, this could end up in a disaster. And what I think is that not, not for, for regular people, you don't care in your daily business about these sort of things. And that's absolutely fine. It's really already challenging if you're an expert in the industry to keep up with the pace, how technology um, develops and about the new stuff that's coming out pretty much every day. So that's really absolutely fine. But I think we are getting to a point where it's good to encourage more and more people to take a step back and look from radical new perspectives what are the implications of these technologies on our future, on the future of our kids, of our grandkids, and how do we want things to develop? Because what's happening right now is that there are only a very few people who paint the bigger picture for all of us. And I believe that we would be well advised in many different ways to get more people involved. First, um, what you learn in a corporate environment is that the more diverse the group is, <coughs> that you try to solve, you do, that you get together to try to solve a challenge, the better most likely is the outcome. So, but right now in these technology things, it's a very small and not so diverse group. The second main thing is that 
unknown things usually scare people. If there is a black box and things are happening within this black box and people don't have a clue what's happening inside, then this can scare you. And I guess we would, it would be better if people would be taught about the opportunities that go hand in hand with these sorts of technologies, hand in hand with the risks um, that are out there as well. I, I read a story that um, there was a company in Japan, I, I believe it was Japan, that had created um, mechanical, uh, well, dogs, for lack of a better word. They were fashioned after dogs. Uh, you know, they moved around on four legs. They had a, a somewhat of a head, but they were completely uh, mechanical robots. And they had been programmed to provide information and security at public parks. And, and they had them patrolling these parks. And when you talk about robots, a, a lot of people don't realize the degree to which they are already among us. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And you don't need to go to Japan. You only need to look at the NYPD. So you already have robo-dots in the U.S. and New York. Um, the police department already uses that technology. And in Japan, you have robots that help to take care of old people. So, and currently this is just an assistance, these robots. There are still humans involved to take care of old people. But the step to reduce the, the part of the human work in, in this work and taking care of people and giving more and more to robots is not so far-fetched. And if you then go further, you could also argue, if you can do that with old people, why do we need human beings in the kindergarten? Could robots solve that job as well? Perhaps even better as a, as a, as a human being because they're resistant to stress, to how how people yeah, talk to them and uh, so on. And these are the sort of things or questions I think we need to discuss before they turn in reality without us wanting them to turn into reality. Or perhaps the society says we want to go down that route, then that's fine as well. But I think we need to have these type of discussions and type of conversations. Um, otherwise, there, things will happen. Because from my perspective, there is hardly any way to stop progress. If there is something that a human being can do, one day we'll do it. But um, you can design progress. That, that's interesting. One, I, one that, uh, back in 2016, I talked with uh, Andrew Yang, who um, had been uh, a, a techie, and he... Um, had a, a short-lived uh, run at the uh, Democratic nomination for president uh, back in 2016 and, and just recently uh, uh, stepped out of the race for mayor of New York City. But when he uh, first announced he was running for president, he wrote a book. Um, and, and in that book, he talks about the advancement of technology and how at some point artificial intelligence, robots, these other things that, that you're talking about, uh, Felix, that what would happen is they would create 
many, many fewer jobs for humans to do. And his uh, big idea was that we needed to revamp the economy. Because, you know, there, there just wouldn't be jobs for people to do to make money. So somehow we had to come up with a completely different economy. As you look mm-hmm. forward, do you see that as a potential problem where so much of the labor of life on this planet can be done by technology that people can you know, pursue other things um, and and not be concerned about making widgets, for example, to, to raise enough money to, to pay their rent. Um, in, in this world that you imagine going forward, is is that the case? And, and is there a need for thinking differently about how we fund our existence? Absolutely. So um, I think in the world we are about to enter, we try to apply our traditional ways of thinking into a new universe that we are about to enter. And that just doesn't work. And I think in um, terms, that's what I say, that that the economy and society could be changed very fundamentally by technology. It's exactly what you just mentioned, that how do we value work? traditional work, what we define as work today. So do we need to rethink how we value work? Do we need to rethink um, how people make their living? Do we need to rethink how people feel fulfilled? And what about the opportunities that we don't need to take care of the basic tasks we need to, to take care of today to keep the machine up and running? If uh, this can be done by robots and by AI, then we would have plenty of time that we could use for other things, for instance, to take care of ourselves or to do whatever. And I mean, if you look at the, at the take a step back and look at a bigger historical picture, then our society didn't look like it looks today forever. We, we went through different periods and um, our the valuation of work, I mean, in the Industrial Revolution, we already had a fundamental shift. Now, in the Technological Revolution, that people think we are, most people think we are already in the middle of the Technological Revolution. From my perspective, in terms of technology, the world is still set. So there is so much more to come. And another big challenge when it comes to technology is that technology doesn't know any man-made borders. So it's one thing how we discuss these sort of questions, let's say, in the Western world. But it may be something completely different how China, India, or Russia, or Africa discusses these sort of questions. But as technology doesn't know these man-made borders, we somehow need to get to a better um, conversation on a global level. And the challenge there, and that's the Catch-22 world I mentioned earlier, is that even on a national level, we are hardly able anymore to agree on certain questions. And this is the case in the U.S., this is the case in Europe, this is the case in, in pretty much every, at least democratic-based um, society in the world. And now we need to answer some questions on a global level. How do we get there? 
is is um and i don't have the i don't have the answer <laughs> no but but i think it's important that that books like yours reveal information that make people think that maybe are in a position to look for and find answers when when you talk about um you know, a world of catch-22s. In calling your tech thriller Catch-42, are you imagining a, a an actual Catch-42, or is that a Catch-22 2.0 or 3.0? I define the Catch-42 as the opposite of a Catch-22. So catch 42 for me means to think the unthinkable, to make the impossible possible, or ah. to turn a seemingly hopeless or paradoxical situation into a solvable problem. And um, so why, do I, why did I call it catch 42? Um, first, uh, it's um, a reference to another very famous book or story, um, The um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy where the answer to the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything that's calculated by the supercomputer deep throat is 42. So that's why I combined the ideas of these two books and ah. put them into one title. And, and also, I was 42 years old when I wrote the book, so uh, that was just another little side <laughs> fact uh, that I thought made it funny to call it Catch-42. So, but, but I think the the... the or the main story of the book is that, yes, we are stuck in our traditional ways of thinking, and we are stuck in a world full of catch-22s, in terms of technologies, in terms of, tech, uh, of the gap between the rich and the poor, if it's between the America first, Europe first, and so on, topics that are already outlined, that we somehow need to overcome the borders, or the, the mental borders we now face, and that we yeah, to, need to fundamentally rethink things as we enter another new universe where our traditional ways of, of thinking just don't work. But I'm uh, very optimistic when it comes to this because when you think back 100 years ago when Einstein lived, there were about 2 billion people living on, on our planet. Today, we have about 8 billion people. Um, and when Einstein lived, um, there are only a very few people that went to university. So the population um, uh, quadrupled in the last 100 years, but the number of people who have access to knowledge um, was multiplied by 400. So 400-fold more people go to university today. So just from a statistic point of view, it's most likely that there will be more people like Einstein or like Galileo or like Newton who have these new ways of thinking, who have these fresh pair of eyes to look different, to ask different questions than we do today. Well, the and character... To the character... In, universe. Yeah, the character in your book, Felix, uh, Dan, is just kind of a regular guy. He's, he's just eking out a living, and he ends up having a mysterious voice come to him in a dream from the future, and he ends up being transported to... This, this new technolo uh, technological world. And he's exploring the, the good and bad of that and, and has some, some challenges to his own 
thinking. And he's not necessarily an Einstein or a Newton, but yet here he is uh, confronting these these big issues and big questions in the book. But when you talk about time travel, is is time travel something that that could be explained or at least explored in this world of quantum entanglements? There are some scientists who, who say so, but that's, uh, to be honest, not my cup of tea. So that's some the point I make at the end of the book, where I say there are some vehicles that are just created to get my story across. And time travel is definitely among these sort of technology. So I don't believe that time travel um, will happen or is possible or will happen soon. But for me, it was a good vehicle to take them to the future and get them back. But it's also up to the, um, to the reader. So I'm a big fan of Christopher Nolan movies or stories. And he's very good in telling you a story. And once you finish the movie, you ask yourself, okay, what did he want to say to me with that? Is that really true? My, did I get it right? And so at the end of the day, you could also think this was just a dream and then never made it to the future. But he just had a very intense dream. But he could also then take it to the future. And what we uh, had at the beginning of, the, of our conversation, that there are so many things in the quantum world that we just don't know. Quantum entanglement, theoretically, could also be an explanation for people who say, I've already lived twice. So I lived back in the, in the past a few hundred years ago, and there are a couple of examples where scientists took a very close look at that. And it was really like, these people have information that they just can't have. So, and so, yeah, this quantum entanglement theoretically could be an explanation for that. And then, I mean, time is, again, a very interesting and, and crazy thing. If you ask scientists about time, then even leading scientists say, to be honest, I don't have a clue how it works. <laughs> so, yes, we humans, we humans have a basic understanding of time as, as we experience it. But time is not such a linear thing like we experience it. And, I mean, again, again back, getting back to Einstein and his... Uh, theory of relativity. That's uh, also something I reference to in the book, but it's just a side thing. A story that I always enjoy is the story with the two twins, where twin number one stays on, on the Earth, and twin number two steps into an air, uh, into a rocket and flies to a black hole. And he travels for, for, for him only for one hour to get to the black hole, then he spends an hour in the black hole and gets back to planet Earth. So he travels three hours in total. But when he's getting back to planet Earth, his brother will already be an old man or already passed away. So, and this is something that we already can prove on a scientific base. So um, there's also an implication of the speed as you travel, but also of the gravity within a black hole that has a very strong impact on how time passes by. And um, it's just beyond our imagination because it's so crazy and so different to what we experience in our daily lives. But there are so many things that we just don't know. And, um, yes, and we are about to enter these sorts of universes. And we have 
better tools than ever to get a better understanding of these sort of things. Well, this is a, a great way of getting uh people, as I mentioned, non-academics, to think about some of the things that are unfolding as technology evolves. You paint a, a, a world, a technological wonderland where everyone's dreams can come true and, and, you know, and then question whether or not it's nirvana. And, and in doing so, you, talk, you, you create this world out of things that are happening now and and how they're likely to evolve and then you use somebody who represents all of us that that aren't experts in quantum mechanics or or uh, artificial intelligence and and all of these uh, new technologies and through the magic of time travel you take this representative of us and put them in that environment to see you know, to to explore maybe the ethics, uh, the practicality of uh, the evolving technologies. It's a it's a great way to get people thinking about where we're going. I hope so. <laughs> that that was the idea. Of, that was the idea of the book. And um, that yes, that that's exactly the point. Usually, all of us have the tendency to think. We can't change things anyway, so it's the way it is. Things develop like they develop, and we hardly have any impact on it. But if all of us think that way, then we won't change anything. So we need a certain um, grassroots movement. We c it's not only about waiting about the people at the top making decisions for us. So, and this, is, this applies to technology, but also to many other things in our lives as well. My guest is uh, Felix Holzapfel, and he is um, the author of a new tech thriller called Catch-42. Felix, we're almost out of time, and I want to thank you for uh, spending a little time with me this morning. Um, but I um, also uh, try to encourage guests to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about. Obviously, the book, Catch-42, is uh, a great place to... Um, to start, but where can people find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future? Do you have a website? Yes, I do have a website. It's uh, felixholzapfel.com. It's probably hard to, uh, to or it's Felix and then H-O-L-Z-A-P-S-E-L.com. But probably the easiest way is to just Google my name, and um, then usually my website should pop up at the top. Or you can find me on LinkedIn or on Facebook or on Twitter. And, of course, you can find my book at pretty much all major book outlets, if it's Amazon, Burns & Noble, Apple Books, Google Play Store, but also um, at your local bookstore. Some to, uh, most likely they won't have it in stock, but they'll be able to. They should be able to order it for you. And um, yeah, and if you're at one of these websites, you can also take it from there to get more information about me. There usually there is an authors page where you find more information about me and my my career. And um, yeah, and also Google offers plenty of information about me. Well, Felix, thanks so much for spending this time with me. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much for having me. That was really fun. Take care.
Again, that was uh, Felix Holzapfel, and uh, the book is Catch 42. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program uh, straight ahead. We're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze in. Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. Say, objection. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam. Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, Report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. 
And Dana, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. In the past few years, a type of meeting place has grown up throughout the country, which is called a coffee house. There are many uninitiated people who have never been into a coffee house, I being one of them. Uh, We are seated now at a table, across from which is a man uh, who seems rather depressed. Uh, uh, sir, uh, you you are depressed. Yeah. Uh, would it be getting too personal to ask you why? I'm not pretty. You are depressed because you feel you're not attractive. I'm not attractive. You're not good looking. No, I'm not. Well, what would you say, That's sir? That's why I'm I... mainly depressed. Well, may I may I may I say something to you, sir? Yes. You are a very attractive person. You're as attractive as nine out of fifteen people I know. <laughs> You're very kind. But you are. You're not you're an unattractive very, person. You're very sweet. But I, I know that the truth, and I face it every morning. You're a good-looking man, sir. I'm not a man. I'm a woman. <laughs> oh, 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 I see. Oh, I, I, I beg your pardon. Uh, we'll, we'll go over to one of the other tables now okay. and see if we can speak. Uh, Goodbye. Thank you very wow. much, sir. Uh, madam. Madam. Uh, there's a gentleman sitting here wearing a pair of Levi's, a nicely laundered T-shirt... Uh, looking very much like an actor. Uh, I might describe him as looking like a cross between uh, Marlon Brando and Joanne Woodward. <laughs> I, I want to explain that. You do have blonde hair. May we sit and talk with you, sir? Uh, if you are so uh, in your mind, too. Uh... Yes. Was I right, sir? Was I right? Are you an actor? Yes, I uh, have to be a uh, lesbian. <laughs> Think, sir. I think you. Can I check you on that? I think it's. Uh, you mean thespian? Well, uh, is that what? Thespian. Thespian, actually. Thespian. Yes, yes. I'll never get that wrong again. <laughs> uh, sir, who is your. Who do you consider the greatest actor we have in America today? The greatest actor in America is Tallulah Bankhead. <laughs> She's well, she's a, she's a great actress. Yeah, I mean, I don't mean an actor, actress. I mean that she knows what she's doing up there, you know? Well, who else do you like? Who would you pattern yourself after? I would pattern myself after... I love that picture, The Fugitive Kind. I loved it very much. Very much. Uh, so, uh, so you're trying to I tried to uh, be like Brando with my T-shirt and just look uh, very much like Joanne Woodward, who I love very much. I love her. Well, you know, usually when people... I also look a little like the producer. I love him, too. Marty Giroux. Is that Mart- Marty Giroux. He produced that picture. You'll notice my shoes are exactly like his. I love that picture yeah. that much well, sir, that I, I became everything in it. <laughs> I see. Sir, I think I made a mistake. You're not an actor. No, anymore. I'm not an actor, well, I'm but, I'm, but I love to hang out here. Okay. Well, it was a pleasure speaking. Well, it was a pleasure almost to be an actor. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah. I've got to wend my way through the crowd. Oh, uh, good luck on your wending. <laughs> 
and goodbye. And if I can do anything for you, you just call upon me, sir. Can I talk to you now? <laughs> no. No. Okay. okay. I understand. You have to go to other people yes. on the record. I know that. Yeah, yeah. I know that. All right. I watched you before in the coffee house. All right, ladies. Goodbye. So long. I hope I'm an actor. <laughs> We're going to a corner of the coffee house now. Uh, on the walls surrounding this table are many, many paintings. There's a gentleman sitting here with a palette, palette knife, some brushes, some oils, and I imagine that he is the gentleman who painted these paintings. Am I right, sir? That is correct in your assumption. <laughs> and the painting... Uh, you are totally correct. Uh, the painting... And impeccably dressed, if I may say so. Thank you. Thank you very much. A lovely tie. Thank you. Gradually blending into the color of your suit. You are always interested in color and design. Color is my life. I am color. Your name is... Uh, what is your name, sir? Corinne Corfu. <laughs> Corinne Corfu, uh, you are yes. Greek. I hope I am Greek. I would like to be Greek very much. Well, you're, that is a Greek name, and you have a Greek accent. Yes. Well, then perhaps I am. <laughs> well, don't you know your... Don't you know your derivation? No, I do not know uh, my derivation. Gypsies stole me as a child. <laughs> a band of gypsies. And you were brought up where? I was brought up in the Persian Gulf, right here in Miami. <laughs> uh, not it's the Persian Gulf. No, it's a gypsy tea house. The rest Sir, is called I, the Persian Gulf. I would like to talk to you about your paintings. Now, yes, you certainly may. Are, it's my life. Color are, and art. I are, love <laughs> art. They are very unusual. I noticed that... God bless you for your perceptions. <laughs> I noticed one... You also... Uh, you sculpt, too, I noticed. Main, some, uh, sculpting and painting. All the arts. Uh, there is a, a metallic sculpture there that is very interesting. Yes, metal, metallic. What do you call that? It's just a series of wires uh, in a grid-like effect. What oh, you, you mean above the door? Yes, what do you call yes, that? Yes, that's called the air conditioning. <laughs> Sorry, sir. I did not uh, make that. No. The, the, the Fetters, the Fetters Company made, but it's very beautiful. Yes. Your paintings are very abstract, I noticed. Yes, but they don't blow air out. So <laughs> that the machines. No. May I ask you about some of the paintings? Yes, you certainly may. That painting there that is entitled... The Gull on a Hot Rock. Yes. Now, I don't see anything on that but a bunch of little specks. Yes, well, I saw the gull on a hot rock from over five miles away. <laughs> oh, I see. I was see. standing on a cliff. That's why I painted in the perspective, the three little dots. Now, uh, getting closer, sir, I'm, uh, may I examine a little more closely? Certainly, not too close. Yes. yes. Now, that is not paint those dots. They look like, that's... Those are flies. Yes, they are. They're flies. But you didn't paint that. Those are real flies. No, I took them, uh, caught them in my hand until the air was out of their bodies and they died. <laughs> and then I... Uh, you pasted uh, them onto them? little dots of blue and put them on the dots. And, and they represent the gold on the rocks. I had to kill them. If I had not killed them, if they were not dead and glued to my picture, <laughs> then I have no picture. <laughs> they fly away, I got nothing, Charlie. I see. The dark. Well, I excuse you. What are you going to buy? Well, sir, may I ask you about this particular abstract? Yes, they're you mainly know... impressionistic, post-impressionistic, yes. pre-impressionistic, and impressionistic. Yes. This one is more of a, an academician type of painting. No, it's not. Well, for instance, it's very graphic, it's very graphic. Yes, it's it, very graphic. The, it's very graphic. The, <laughs> it's a draftsman-like quality. The spaghetti looks like spaghetti. The limp salad looks like limp salad. And the garlic oh, bread oh, looks oh, like garlic bread. Oh, oh, no. That's not a picture. That's my supper. <laughs> I, I, it happens to be resting on a frame and in my easel. Oh. Uh, that's my dinner. I eat that. Oh, I'm sorry, yes. sir. It looks... Do you like... Wait a minute. 
Do you really like it? Well, it is. Do you think it looks like the a... The composition a is rather... Of a... Yes, I thought it was thickly painted. I tell you what. <laughs> if you really like it, I can lacquer it up and give it to you for 40 hours. No, I'm afraid, I'm no. afraid I wouldn't want to take your, deprive right. you of your supper, sir. How about just a coffee and cake? <laughs> Maybe not for $20. No, sir. I'm... Give me a dollar and a half for the coffee. <laughs> sir, I'm really not interested. Give me 40 cents you can have. All right, here's 40 cents, sir. All right. Thank you very here's the much. Coffee and cake. Nice working with you. <laughs> yes. Sir. I hope you come in again. I will, sir. God bless your can tie. I... I don't want the coffee. No, you want the picture with the flies? No, you just keep Give it. Give me a dime. <laughs> you can have it. I kill more flies. What the hell is it? All right. Bye-bye. In a corner of the coffee house is a gentleman sitting with a very, very strange instrument on his lap. Uh, sir, may we speak with you? Hello. <laughs> uh, what is your name, sir? May we get your name? Uh, my name is uh, Charlie Grape. <laughs> Charlie Grape. Yes. Uh, do you perform here at the uh, coffee house? Yes. Uh, on occasion, I do. And then they, uh, they kind of get mad at me, and then I don't. I think I can get permission for you to play for us. I'd like to... Can you? Yes. uh, (laughs) I I would... It's the first time I've ever gotten permission here. We'd certainly like to hear a sample of your music. Certainly. Let me just get tuned up. I'm trying to find an A here. There it is. There it is. Got it first shot out of the box. My A. Now, what are you going to play for us? Uh, 22 men. All right, for the record, 22 men. 22 men, here we go. Sung by Charlie Grape. Here we are. (laughs) I get mainly A out of it. I don't get more than A out of it. 22 men fell down and hurt their knees. 22 men fell down and hurt their knees. 22 men fell down, down to the ground. 22 men fell down and hurt their knees. Would you like to hear the release? Do you have one? Yeah. Now, 22 men fell down and hurt their... That's not a release, sir. That's the same as the... uh, Yeah. Bridge. Okay. Okay, how about another completely different song and a new tune? Yes, I'd like Can you make it up on the spot? I certainly can. It's my best part. This is extemporaneous. Yeah, whatever. 22 German soldiers hurt their knees. (laughs) 22 German... So, I think you know that tune, yeah. It's very similar to the other one. Yeah, How does it differ? It differs in the fact that the first 22 men were not German soldiers. (laughs) Well, is this a... The second 22 men are German soldiers. Well, it's the same... Can you play... It's the same uh, that they hurt their knees. That's right. You caught me there. Yeah. Can you sing something completely different? Okay. Completely different. You know, the uh, the Calypso balladeers make up songs right on the spot, topical songs. Yes, they Can do. Can you do that? I'll try to. Okay. Okay. 22 Calypso men. Is that what you meant? No, I meant something topical. Something topical? Yes. I'll try something topical. Let's see what's happening in the world today here in our great nation. Got it. Big Dick Nixon hurt his knee. Big Dick Nixon hurt his knee. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
Alexander Zanjic, don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.